And really, Father's Day, just like those other moments created by card companies, um, is an opportunity to, to celebrate, isn't it? It's an opportunity today to celebrate fatherhood. And uh, I don't know if you've been around church much when uh, it's these kinds of occasions uh, where it's Father's Day or Mother's Day. Um, but generally what I've noticed on Mother's Day, it's, it's quite subtle, uh, but on Mother's Day we, you, often hear, you often hear talks like, Mums, you're doing a great job, keep going. You know, we can't live without you. Mums are so amazing. And then, then we have like this kind of subtle difference. On Father's Day, it's kind of like, come on, guys, get your act together. Be the man you're meant to be. And sometimes we can have that kind of dynamic, can't we? I don't, I don't want to try and do that today. Um, but I do want to talk um, about fatherhood. I want to talk about... Um, what today marks, and, uh, and so whilst that can be true, whilst those of us who are dads sometimes uh, need a kick up the butt, um, I just want to say, you know, I think the dads in our church do a great job. Um, yeah, you can cheer them. Uh, the dads in our church do a great job, and, um, and I think some of you just need to hear that this morning. You're doing a great job. You know, some of you uh, have had tough circumstances, some of you have had tough years, and, you know, sometimes it's hard, isn't it, to be a faithful father in the midst of stuff that goes on in adult life, and so, and, and so well, well done. And, and, and so we want to celebrate uh, fathers today. Now, one of the things um, that I'm sure... Uh, we would all agree on is that uh, a father enhances the life of his children. Uh, that's, that's kind of the role of a dad, isn't it? You know, most psychologists uh, would say that mothers, um, uh, mothers form an important relationship with their child, that there's, there's important, an important bonding process that goes on between uh, mothers and children, but there's also a quite unique relationship that takes place between fathers and, uh, and their children. You know, if we, if we thumb through the scriptures, uh, the metaphor that so often is used to describe uh, our relationship to God is, is one of him being a father and us being his children. You know, when Jesus taught us to pray, when he taught the disciples to pray, the first thing he said to them, pray like this, our Father in heaven. And so we as a church, uh, we're a church full of dads. Some of you, it's your first Father's Day. Tom, I believe it's your first. Is it your second? Really? Oh. Oh, yes. Sorry. None of you, it's your first Father's Day. Um, oh, I had a present and everything, Tom. Never mind. Um, Dan, Mr. Chairman, well done. It's his first Father's Day. <laughs> and yours? Hey. Uh, some of us are veterans at Father's Day. 
Uh, some of us have you know, received so many cards made in school. Um, I, I, I upset my middle daughter today because I thought her card was a rocket. And it was, wasn't. It was a T-shirt. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, um, I apologised. Um, but some of, us are, some of us are veterans. Some of us are not only fathers, but grandfathers. Uh, and... Um, but some of us, uh, Father's Day um, can be painful, can't it? It can be a little bit raw. It can remind us of absent fathers. It can mi- remind us of uh, the loss of a father. And, um, and so we want to try and be sensitive to that as well this morning. And so I've got a fairly simple message this morning. I just want to uh, speak to three groups of us this morning. Now, first of all, I want to speak to dads, okay? Uh, you're not going to get off the hook. Um, uh, secondly, I want to speak to those who have maybe lost a father uh, or have got an absent father. And then I want to just speak to all of us generally um, about God the Father. <laughs> what, does that, uh, what does that mean for us? So first of all, let's, let's speak to dads in the room. Uh, you know, when I became a dad, um, 11 and a half years ago, I remember it being full of sort of the most overwhelming sense of, of emotion. Um, I suddenly discovered that in me I had a capacity to love someone and something that I never knew I had. It was almost as if something could lay dormant in me all this time and it was waiting for this child to arrive. And I remember Tammy, um, when Rachel was born, she was in an emergency situation. And so Rachel was handed to me first, and um, she pooed on me. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's the first thing she did. But I just remember this just like this overwhelming sense that came up in me. It was just like, I just love this person with all my heart. You know, I, and no one had to convince me. You know, no one had to say, you need to try hard to love this baby. It was just really easy. It was just really natural to think, I just love this, this bundle of joy that's been thrust in my heart. I've got no idea what I'm doing. Um, you know, I've got no idea how you look after them. But I love this child uh, with everything that we've got. And, you know, we've had three children, and that's been the repeat process. You'll be pleased to know. Um, <laughs> time and time again. But I'm guessing those of us who are dads who have, have experienced that, haven't we? That in that moment, it's like a light is, is switched on. It's, it's just instantaneous. And so this magical thing happens. There's a moment in the scriptures um, where God the Father speaks these profound words over his son. And I think it kind of stands out to us, um, and it, it kind of highlights this instinct in fathers uh, to love their children. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you turn to Matthew chapter 3. And I'm going to pick up in verse 16. A very familiar passage. Jesus has just been baptised uh, by John the Baptist. And verse uh, 16, it says, it says this. As soon as Jesus was baptised, he went up out of the water. At that moment, 
heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, who I love. With him I am well pleased. And I think this, this passage highlights a number of things, but one of the things that it highlights to us uh, is it, it kind of reveals something about a need in the human soul um, that each of us long for the Father's love, don't we? Each of us have a, a longing inside of us to experience the Father's affection. And so I just want to think about that for a moment as dads. Uh, and it, it says this. It says, first of all, God says to Jesus, says, this is my son. And I think the first thing that we see is that in each human soul, in each human longing, is a, a cry for identity. That we all want to know who we are and where we belong don't we? We all want to know who we belong to. You know, some of the best dads that I know do a great job at giving their children a a sense of identity. And and, and so the way we nurture our kids, the the way we care about them, uh, the way that we cheer them on, all points towards giving our sons and daughters a a true identity of themselves, who they belong to. Families that do this well are often families that have lots of fun. Um, You know, they they laugh a lot. They they often have kind of insider jokes and little quibs that they uh, give one another that no one else understands. You know, but there's that kind of reality. There's a shared identity uh, as a family. But I also think there are a couple of lies that, as dads, our culture gives us that we can easily buy into, that we can buy into these lies. And, and one lie is this, I must give my child every opportunity life can afford them. That's the first lie. The second lie is, I must give my child the very best stuff. But the thing is, and I want every dad in the room to hear this, is that you don't owe your kids every experience in life. You don't. You don't owe them the the best stuff all of the time. You don't owe them all the money in the world. What you owe your kids is actually something completely different. It's your time. And your time together. And I think we find it easy, don't we, to buy into that lie. We find it easy to buy into that lie because often we can exchange things like time, which seems like a a precious commodity, and we exchange it for stuff, thinking that that's, that's enough. The problem is, is that stuff comes and goes. Yeah. What you might have noticed is that time never comes back. I don't know if you've noticed that. If anyone's invented a time machine or anything like that, then there's a possibility. But you know, 
I look at my eldest daughter, she's 11, and, um, and sometimes I sit there and think, where did time suddenly go? Does anybody feel like that when they look at their kids? You're just like, where did time suddenly go? She's, she's going from being a child and she's becoming a teenager, which I'm dreading, um, because she already has the traits of a teenager, um, but... You know, it would have been, it's really easy, isn't it, to allow that time to pass and, and never give it your full attention. And we can live with regrets. We can, live, we can look at our kids and live with the regrets that we haven't given them the very thing that they need. And so dads, I'm speaking to all of us, me included, don't believe the lie. Don't believe the lie. Don't live thinking you can exchange stuff for what your children need. They need you. And so it's there our kids see who they are. And so that's the first thing. This is my son. Our kids need to know their identity. And then God says, whom I love. I grew up in um, a fairly normal family. You know, there was no skeletons in the closet or anything like that. And uh, most love and affection really came from my mum. You know, my mum was the, the one who outwardly expressed love uh, and affection, always told us uh, as children that she loved us and cared for us in different ways. Um, but, you know, my dad was very different. Uh, my dad was... Um, not as expressive in his words, but he expressed his love in actions. And so he expressed his love instinctively in his sense of wanting to provide for us as, as a family. He, he, he expressed his love in his ability to create an amazing home uh, to live in. He's a builder and a, all sorts of things, you know, so he just created a fantastic home environment for us to live in. And he expressed his love with the things that he made with his hands. You know, he, he could make anything um, or make something happen. And, um, but he never really expressed it in a verbal way or an affectionate way. And it's just, just the, way, the way he was. And I remember when my, um, my granddad died, um, my dad's dad, and... Um, you know, we were sitting around just telling the stories about my granddad, you know, and, and how he said some ridiculous things. He once called a Spanish person on holiday gringo. Um, uh, but he, he was from Birmingham, so you have to forgive him, I suppose. Um, but, you know, he... Uh, so we were just sharing some different stories. And then I remember turning to my dad as we were leaving, just saying, Dad, and giving him a hug and just saying, Dad, I love you. And, and my dad just burst into tears. And just wept. And he was like, I never told my dad that. And he never told me. And all of a sudden, my dad was someone's child longing for the father's love. Longing for a father's affection. Now, you know, he's a granddad now and he's mellowed. He's got seven grandchildren and two great-grandchildren and... He lets them get away with so many things. Um, he's like this big softy, you know. Um, but that's in all of us, isn't it? We all long for the Father's love. We all need a Father's 
affection. You know, one of the things that I always try and do is just remind my kids that I love them. And, you know, sometimes words can feel a bit cheap, can't they? And we just, are we just saying words? But I think there's actually this power in the words that we say. You know, when we remind our kids that we love them. And how often do we turn to our kids and say, oh, I love you, I love you. You know, and just on a daily basis, just reminding our children they're loved. And, you know, there's sometimes... Sometimes I think it's just important to verbalise our feelings, isn't it? And it seemed like it was important for God to say, this is my son whom I love. Did Jesus need that? I don't know, but God felt it important to verbally say, I love him, I love him. Some of you may remember a few years ago we had... Um, uh, a vineyard veteran, a guy called Carl Tuttle, come uh, and be with us for the weekend. And, you know, Carl has been around the vineyard forever, but um, he came from a broken home. He, uh, he had an absent father. And uh, on one occasion, you know, he came to faith. He came to faith in uh, John Wimber's Bible study when he was a, when he was a kid. And um, in his adult life, he decided one day he was going to go off to the California desert and and hear from God. And so he, he planned his trip and um, went out to this place. And he got there and he prayed for about 15 minutes and just nothing. And he just got frustrated and just thought, I'm going home. And so he goes home and he, he says to his wife, I'm, I'm just going to go up and spend some time with our son, who was just a six months old at the time. Uh, and so he goes up to his son's room feeling depressed, feeling disappointed that he hadn't heard from God. And he picks up his six-month-old child in his arms, uh, Zachary. And as he held him, he just felt this overwhelming sense of love uh, for his son. And this is what he said. He said, Zachary, I love you. I love you with all my heart. No matter what happens in this life, I will never harm you. I'll always protect you. I'll always be your father. I'll always be your friend. I'll always care for you. I'll always nurture you. And I'll, and I'll do this no matter what sin you commit, no matter what you do, and no matter uh, whether you turn from me or from God. And Carl says, suddenly, as he, as he said these words and he was weeping over his son, he felt himself in God's arms. And he felt God saying to him, Carl, you're my son. I love you. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, I'll always care for you. I'll always provide for you. I'll always guide you. That's what the father's love is like, isn't it? And so God says, this is my son, whom I love. And then he says, with whom I am well pleased. And I think, did he say like that? I'm well pleased. <laughs> um, but in other words, he says, he's saying to Jesus, I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud of you. 
Now, did Jesus need to hear that? Now, did Jesus need to hear that? Let me stretch your mind a little bit theologically, okay? You look like you need stretching a little bit. When do you think Jesus understood he was the Messiah? If you've never thought about that question, if you've never considered that question, then my guess is you have assumed he always knew. Yeah? And so if that's the case, I I imagine Jesus as a baby, you know, bath times were a nightmare. Uh, Because he's constantly walking on top of the bath water. So, you know, just just that that kind of reality. Um, Luke 2 says this about Jesus. It says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. That there's something about Jesus as he grew up that progressed and developed. Now, so it, it is possible that Jesus always knew who he was. He always knew his, his divinity. But was it probable? And so there is an argument, and we don't really know. You can talk about this over lunch. Um, that Jesus grew into his understanding of who he was. And, and actually, some theologians believe that at this moment, at this moment of baptism, this is that moment when Jesus starts to fully realise that who he was and what he was sent to do. And, and so it's at this point where God speaks these words, this is my son, I love him, and I'm pleased with him. It's at that moment Jesus starts thinking, oh boy, this is who I am. This is my identity. This is what I'm called to do. And my father, he's pleased with me and he, he wants the best for me. You know, Jesus was 30 at this time. He hadn't done a single thing that we know of. He hadn't done any miracles. He hadn't raised any dead people. And yet God says, I am pleased with him. Jesus hadn't performed in any way. All he'd done is whittled some wood and made a few tables. And God says, I'm pleased with him. I'm pleased with him. And so there is a compelling case that it's at this point that Jesus figures out who he is. He discovers his identity. And then what does he do? He goes from his place of baptism, doesn't he, into the wilderness. And he spends 40 days fasting and praying. And there the devil tempts him. And, and what's the question the devil asks when he, when he tempts him? If you are the Son of God, then turn these stones into bread. If you are the Son of God, then chuck yourself off that building. And so he he starts to question Jesus' identity. And could it be possible that Jesus, who's fully God and fully man, and somehow, and I don't know how this works, he, he kind of suspends his divinity somewhere, you know, he kind of leaves it over here, and he's starting to realise who he is. And at that point, the devil attacks the very thing that he's beginning to realise who he is. Maybe. We don't know. Speak about it at lunchtime. And so the father speaks. He says, you are my son, who I love, and I'm pleased with you. And I don't know what it is, and I don't know how it works, 
But I believe fathers have an ability that mothers don't. I know mothers have lots of abilities before you start stoning me. Um, But I believe fathers have an ability that mothers don't. They have an ability to speak over their children's lives in a way that no one else can. And so let's speak identity into our kids. Let's speak love and affection. Let's speak favour. Let's remind them that we're so pleased with who they are and what they're becoming. Okay, let me speak to those of you who have maybe lost a dad. Most Bible scholars would say Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, probably died when Jesus was a, a teenager. So Jesus spent some time in his adult life with an absent father. And so um, a few weeks ago, a friend of ours who um, we've known since sort of postnatal um, groups with Rachel, so 11 years, um, lost a battle with cancer. And uh, he's going to be buried on Wednesday. And his kids, they haven't even buried their dad. And they're already facing their first Father's Day without their dad. And some of us live that every year, don't we? Every Father's Day, we're reminded they're not there. They've gone. I can't fully grasp that pain. But I want to say, as a church family, we're with you. We're with you in that pain. And so, some of us grieve on Father's Day, because our dads have gone. Some of us grieve on Father's Day, because our fathers are still alive, but our relationship is that strained, that there's just there's too much distance. And so we grieve a loss in a different way. And so if Father's Day brings a sense of loss and absence, then let me speak these words. Psalm 68, it says, He's a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, He is God in his holy dwelling. He's the father of fatherless. The defender of widows is the God in his holy dwelling. I think, I think God has something exclusive for those of us who have lost our dads. That he exclusively chooses to be a father to the fatherless. And there's hope in that, isn't there? That our earthly fathers may have gone. But he wants to be the father. And so if you feel that pain today, we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to see the father come and remind you of who he is. Okay, lastly, 
that speaks to all of us. God is our Father. Psalm 103 says this, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. I don't know what image that we sometimes conjure up of God, and particularly the God of the Old Testament, but sometimes we don't always see him as the God of compassion, don't we? Sometimes we think he's angry with us, he's, he's disappointed with us, but he's the God of compassion. A compassionate person is defined this way, a deep sympathy on sorrow for another with a strong desire to alleviate their suffering. You see, the kind of father that God is, uh, is, is a father who wants to relieve pain. He wants to alleviate pain. He wants to remove suffering. He wants to come alongside us and comfort us. It also says he is gracious. He's gracious. You see, justice is getting what you deserve. And mercy is not getting what you deserve. But grace is getting what you don't deserve. Grace is getting rewarded for something you shouldn't have been, you should have been punished for. And so the relationship with God the Father is is based on grace. It's based on grace. Where we get rewarded and not punished. And then it says he's slow to anger. And I say, some of us see God repeatedly disappointed with us, upset with us. But this passage says he's slow to anger. How many of us as dads need to know that? You know, we need to be slow to anger. It's so easy in it to fly off the handle. He's kind, he's patient, he's slow to anger. And then lastly, it says he's abounding in love. Abounding means overflowing. It's it's bursting, it's it's limitless. 1 John 3, 1 says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. We're children of God. And the Father loves you. The Father loves you. The Father loves you, Barry. The Father loves you. The Father loves you. Father loves you.
And I guess the question is, is do we, do we know that? Do we know the Father's love? The Father loves you. The Father loves you. And so I just want to pray for some different groups of us this morning. I really want to pray for those of us who today's is a sense of loss. It's a reminder of loss. We'd love to pray for you. Maybe in a moment you'd be brave enough to stand and, and some folks come around you. Maybe some of you have got an absent father, someone you've maybe never known or just relationally it's, it's broken down. And we'd love to pray for you too. But then I also think there's some of us who just need a fresh, just a fresh sense of the Father's love and favour. You need to remember the Father's love for you this morning. And so, if, if that's you in any of those cases, why don't you, why don't you stand? And we'll just pray. If you've lost the Father, if you've um, need to experience the Father's love afresh. And we just love to pray for you.